All right, maybe you, you wait tables for a living. How do you ensure that you get the best possible tip every time? Penn Faulkner award-winning author Anne Patchett has some advice. When I was a waitress, which was a long time ago, but some things never changed, if you really, really screwed something up terribly, you would tell the table that it was your first day. Now, for example, you have a party of eight and they all order appetizers and salads and main courses, and you go and get their drinks, and 30 minutes goes by, and these are kind, understanding people. Yeah. So they wait a whole half hour before they flag you down and say, um, where are the appetizers? And you realize you never put their order in, so it's now going to take 25 more minutes for them to get their food. And you look at them, and you get tears in your eyes and you tremble your lips a little bit and you say, I am so unbelievably sorry. This is my first day. I've never <laughs> waited tables before. And not only do they really understand, but they double your tip for the horrible <laughs> service that you've given them. And, and I did a lot of things like that. I mean, you know, I, I once was clearing a table and I had big plates of half-eaten food in my hands from the table where the people had left and uh -huh. I hoisted it up on my shoulder, it tipped back, and the half-eaten plate of spaghetti went down the back of a woman oh. who was at the table behind me. I wasn't <laughs> even her waitress, <laughs> and I just told her it was my first day. This, this is so interesting, because, you know, even as a waitress, you, you were a storyteller. Sure. Well, even as a kindergartner, I was a storyteller. That's my job. That's my DNA. Well, so, so when you were in, in kindergarten, were you also coming up with excuses and, and, uh, and lying about things? No, I wasn't lying. I wasn't lying when I was a child, but I was being charming and clever. Charming and clever is the close first cousin to lying. <laughs> yeah. And lying is the very close first cousin, probably the twin sister of fiction writing. Ann Patchett's new book is This is the Story of a Happy Marriage. This is How Did Everything. I'm Mike. And I'm Ian. Just a short show for you today. We're on our way out of town, but we do want to get you a couple how-tos. Derek is on the line with us now. Derek, what can we help you with? Uh, I was had a question about hugs. I guess it all started in middle school or high school. Some girl gave me a hug, and she was like, you're terrible at this. And I guess I've kind of been self-conscious of that ever since. Like, I know how to hug my girlfriend, but any step less than that, I'm not quite sure on what the friendly hug should be. Describe your current hug technique, when you do it right. I never initiate hugs, so I just kind of, if someone's coming towards me with their arms out, I kind of stick my arms out and let them take the lead. The way you tell that, it sounds like just a stranger on the street coming at you that way. Uh, it could be. I wouldn't know how to hug them better. So, Derek, when you're looking ahead here, what are you envisioning with your hug situation? Well, I'll be visiting my girlfriend's parents for Christmas, and I'm not sure how to hug them. I understand that she doesn't come from a family of huggers either, really, but I don't want to seem distant. Yeah. So, Derek, I would anticipate you're going to need to get ready for hugs upon that first initial moment when you get together with the parents. Yeah. That's something I'm a little worried about. All right, we're going to get on this because I do think that you want to get this right. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I, I think we have somebody who can help out Derek. On the line with us now is Gerald McCoy. He's a defensive tackle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who play football. 
Now, Gerald was the third pick in the 2010 NFL Draft. And uh, if you don't follow this, the draft is where the college players get picked by whatever pro team, and they go up and and meet uh, Roger Goodell, the commissioner. So, Gerald, why don't you tell us, uh, first of all, why you're qualified to help Derek? Um, Well, the the day prior to the draft, the draft picks get to go sit in the office with Mr. Goodell, and wasn't nobody talking, so I just kind of broke the ice and was like, you know, tomorrow, whenever we get drafted, wherever we get drafted, what types of things are restricted, what can't we do, what can we do? You know, and he was like, I'll tell you this, I just want you to show emotion. Show that you're happy about what's going on. So, you know, I was like, all right, well, remember you gave me the okay. So <laughs> when it came, that's just what happened. Well, for people that don't don't know what happened, uh, can you tell the story? Oh, well, after I got drafted, you know, I was already emotional because my mother passed away when I was 19, and she didn't get to see me get drafted, so... And I was kind of emotional about that. I was uh, emotional about the fact that I had been through a whole lot to get to this point. And now, I'm, you know, being drafted to play in the NFL, which is what I've been working for my whole life. So I walk on stage, and usually, typically, people give him a, the commissioner a handshake. Well, I walk on stage, he sticks his hand out, and I walk right past his hand and just give him a huge bear hug <laughs> because I was just I was just happy. I know what else to do. I was just so happy, man. And I'm a hugger. I'm from the South, man. I'm from Oklahoma. So that's what we do. We don't really shake hands. We hug in Oklahoma. Right. So when I got out here to Florida and everybody was shaking hands, it was kind of, uh, I didn't know how to, you know, take it. I hug. So <laughs> um, that's just what I did. So uh, for people, you know, so they can picture this image properly, can you tell us how big you are? Yeah, I'm uh, 6'4", 300. That's a big wow. hug. Yeah. And what did the commissioner do once you got him in that bear hug? Well, he kind of, I think I kind of squeezed the air out of him because he kind of <laughs> made like a like a grunting noise, like I was hurting him. Um, so I let him go, but, you know, he was, he was, he was happy. You know, he seen that I was excited and he just had fun with it. So it was good. So, Gerald, you broke the hugging ice. Did other draftees hug him after that? It was a continuous cycle. Like it was like five straight people came out with hugs. It was ridiculous. And then a year after, everybody was hugging the commission. It was pretty cool. Well, we heard that this year, at least, he went before the the draft starts. He advises players that they can hug him, but to please be careful. Basically, don't don't squeeze me to death. Right. So you are responsible for a new rule at the draft. Yeah, I didn't mean to. Uh break his back <laughs> he's a pretty tough guy yeah so so gerald uh given your hugging expertise uh what should derek do when he uh has to hug his girlfriend's parents go for it just go for it show you're visiting your girlfriend's parents you don't want your girlfriend's parents to think that one you're weak <laughs> and two that you're not really into their daughter so just act like you're excited to be there and you're happy to be in that girl's life when you go to meet somebody's parents, if you're happy to be in that person's life and everything that comes with it, you know, you're just happy to be around. So if you go and you're there and you're excited, you know, because most people would be apprehensive and real cautious when they get around the significant other's parents. They just get real cautious and don't know how to act. If you just show them that you're happy to be there, then I think they'll accept you even more. So just go for it, man. Just give them a nice squeeze. Go for it. Do you, are, are there different hugs? Like, is there a different hug for mom, dad, sister, that kind of thing? Well, you shake a you shake a guy a man's hand first, then hug him. But the women, you just go straight in for the hug and it's like kiss on the cheek, and there it is. 
Southern hospitality, my brother. Well, this has been great. Thanks so much for uh, helping out Derek. All right, no problem. The sound you're hearing is our producers Sarah and uh, Stephen Tobias making a very special 230-year-old eggnog recipe. Weird. They always record audio, whatever they're cooking. It's weird. We want to keep track of whatever it is they're doing. Now, to test if if this is the recipe that uh, you should make this holiday season, uh, we'd like to welcome on our resident taster, Peter Sagal. Certainly looks like eggnog. Are we going to do this together? Well, I think you're going to go first. Oh, all right. Here we go. Cheers. Cheers. Whoa. The the alcohol fumes are coming at you. That is... Ha! <laughs> that is like acetylene. That is... That's something. You could... You could... You could light this. I can... I can smell you from over here where yeah. I am. Yeah. What if we told you... Yes. This eggnog recipe... Yes. Was the very eggnog recipe that George and Martha Washington served at their parties. Wow. Yep. No, that... <laughs> That that's you know I have I don't know if you remember this but but we apparently George Washington liked liked his drink, maybe it was just their way of preserving the nog, you know yeah with a lot of alcohol I mean what the hell's going to happen to it? You guys you guys should try it. I'm gonna right. I'm gonna. Wow, I'm seeing things now. <laughs> it's just like boozy paste. Yeah, it is. This tastes like um, spiked waffle batter. <laughs> it does. I was thinking, and yes. uh, maybe this is uh, our next mission, is uh, noting how much this looks like uh, pancake batter. Yeah. How good would it be to make pancakes using eggnog instead of milk? That'd be you, delicious. Maybe using more conventional eggnog, one that was not just pure fire water. What's, didn't, didn't George Washington lead men on a, was it Valley Forge? Yeah. I'm just wondering how many, how many during that time, how many un, unfortunate... Hookups happen because of Naga goggles. We will put the recipe for George and Martha's eggnog on our website. Although, honestly, go with a different one. Don't try this at home. We, we heard from Chrissy, and Chrissy says she listens to our podcast while running up Mount Kilimanjaro. Apparently, it takes her 12 hours to download one episode. It's not worth it. Chrissy, these next 15 seconds are for you. I, I can't help but think that the beauty of Mount Kilimanjaro is being ruined by our voices right now. That the majesty... And then it's us. Hey, Chrissy. Well, that does it for this week's show. What we learned today, Mike? I learned that uh, if I ever had a holiday party or Christmas party at George Washington's house, that I probably wouldn't want to drink the eggnog. No. 
Well, we ha- it's weird because we have so many images of him, you know? Right. You never see any images of him kicking back, just having having some nog with, with his buds. Yeah, imagine being at Washington's party and he's just trying to get you drunk the whole time. You have to do what he says. Hey, Ian, you got to get a load of this. You got it, Mr. P- First Mr. President. I, I learned that uh, if you if you want a good tip, just say it's your first day. I think you can do this no matter where you were. Any any well any any way you go wrong, ever. Yep. Uh, if you're a, a barber, it's my first day. Yeah. You're a postman. If you're a doctor, it's you know what? Sorry, it's my first day. How to Do Everything was produced by Sarah Geis and Toby Tobias. Our intern this week is Maya Elena Alaberti. Good job, Maya. No, no. We call her Mia based on her initials, M-E-A. Good job, Mia. Your first name is Maya. It's my first day. Get us your questions at howto at npr.org. And check out our website, howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. Thanks.